From old school to new, from analytics to your gut feeling, and from nuance to a blistering hot take, Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice present to you Political Football. I've been watching sports for 39 years, roughly. I probably started watching sports right when I came out of the womb, and uh, I've seen a lot of things, but I don't think I've seen anything quite like what we saw this weekend. Welcome to Political Football, everybody. Matty Ice here. I'll bring David Cleveland momentarily. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you missed probably one of the biggest spectacles that we've seen on a football field, not relating to the actual game, in quite a long time, and that would be Antonio Brown leaving the field of play During a play, taking off his shirt, many things happen. There has been a weaving narrative to this that has sort of developed over time, and we're here to break it down in the best possible way. So, Cleve, Dave, welcome to the show, and have you guys ever seen anything like that before? Uh, If this was a YouTube show, I would for sure just be taking my shirt off and walking away right now. So, it won't work on the audio version, but just so the audience knows, I would definitely be doing that. I mean, the closest thing I could think of anything kind of and it's probably in this it's probably different was the miles garrett helmet thing where you're just like whoa what's going on here because you never you never really see something like that but this is an obviously a whole totally different type of thing so i've never seen what antonio brown probably did and i'm 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 probably hard pressed to know that it probably happens a lot somewhere on every level of football where some kid quits or some guy quits on the team because I think he just quit. And that if you guys disagree, you guys disagree. But I think he flat out quit. For whatever reason, he quit on his guys in the middle of a game down to, was it, 24-10 at that moment? To the Jets, by the way. Yeah, to the Jets. Yeah. Go Jets. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, it was... Mad we lost the game, though. But I'm, I'm super pissed we lost the game because that was our shot. It was just very strange to me. Dave, go ahead. So there's a couple things here. This situation is very uh, tricky to talk about because it's a he said, she said situation or he said, he said in this case between Antonio Brown, Bruce Arians. And then the third option being that they're both kind of lying and kind of telling the truth all at the same time. Now, Cleve, you said that you think that he quit in the statement that Antonio Brown released uh, later in the week. He said that the coach cut him on the sideline. He basically said, you know, you're done. Get out of here is what Bruce Arians told him. His argument is that he did not quit. He was cut on the sideline. But then the Bucks had to go back and try to do it correctly later. So his argument is that he did not quit on his team, but that he was basically fired on the field. So that's 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 what Antonio Brown is saying. So if that's the case, then he didn't actually quit. reason I say that he quit is because you can interpret what Bruce Arians said two ways. And again, let me know if I'm off base here. Get out of here. Go to the locker room. Get the fuck out of here. Because I think that's what he said. Get the fuck out of here. It's like it's like your mom or dad telling you, get the fuck out of here, Dave. You know, they're not, they're not telling you to get out of the house, get off the planet. They're telling you to get from in front of them. Like, you're, you know, you're out of here, whatever. So, Antonio Brown, Bruce Arians, you're right. Because they both kind of said some things that they're part lying, part telling the truth. And I wish someone would tell the truth. But the reason I say that, that, that he quit in the moment, 24 down, you know, 24 10, you're down, third quarter. They need you. Teammates are begging you. Mike Evans is begging them to, to, to get back in the game or do whatever. I just have a problem with how he handled it because 
if they're forcing you to play, you're 100% right what you said offline about a player being forced to go into a game and risk adverse injury to themselves beyond football. You're absolutely 100% right. I just think that I would have just sat on the sidelines with with my helmet off and to the point where they, they had to bring security to get me off the bench and people are wondering what's happening, why is security walking Cleve out? And I could say later on, like I was told that I was cut and I because I couldn't play and I sat down in protest. I'm like, I'm not I'm not leaving the sideline, but they made me leave. They made they, they forced me out. So there's two competing stories here and they both can't I guess they could both kind of be true, I suppose. But Bruce Arian says that Antonio Brown was basically throwing a temper tantrum because he wasn't getting enough targets. There's there's some validity to that because going in at the time that Antonio Brown walked up the field, he needed eight more catches, 55 more yards, and one more touchdown. Each one is a separate $333,000 bonus or basically a million dollars if he does all three. And that's for the season, not even for the game. So you could see Antonio Brown being upset because I'm not getting these targets. I'm not going to get this money. However, that also then works against him just quitting and walking off the field. If he's upset because he's not going to get his money, walking off the field and quitting the team doesn't help him get his money either. Now, Antonio Brown's argument is that he had a sore ankle all week. Same ankle will bother him all year. We knew he missed a lot of time during the year. We thought he was going to be out for the season, remember? So we knew yeah. that he was uh, had a sore ankle. He was on the injury report during the week for fantasy. I know tracking that. So he was on the injury report for the week. He took some sort of pain pill or something he says and it wore off and he just could not go back in the game the pain was just was just too great Bruce Arians then tells him to go back in the game he says coach I can't do it everything blows up to his mind Bruce Arians cut him for not going back in the game so Antonio Brown you know walked out like a champ you know take this job and shove it sort of thing I of those two stories if one is correct I actually lean towards the Antonio Brown side just because we know the ankle is is an issue so i think that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle uh in, in between but if, if i had to pick one of the two sides as being correct or more correct i'm actually leaning towards antonio brown which is dangerous because antonio brown is a notorious jackass so so, so here's the thing about here's the thing about the the incentive laced performance stuff he had one more game to do this so it wasn't like if you don't get it this game you have one more game in the season to do this. I think they. Played, I agree. Yeah, they played. So, so if that's where I, I think Arians' uh, argument falls apart mm-hmm. because I'm like, if he's if he said that, I'm just say, hey, listen, if you don't get it this game, you got one more game to do it. We're fine here. We just need you to beat these guys or whatever. But, um, if his if his ankle wasn't a really good go and they shot him up with something. He could have said, you don't, you know what? I don't want to play because, you know, we got one more game or whatever. This game is not a, a, a must-win game for us. So I'm gonna sit this one out, coach. But my, but not- but what he's saying is that they it was the middle of that. He probably said, My ankle hurts too much. They were like, Well, here, take this. He takes it, he feels okay, it wears off. And now he's like, okay, well, now I can't that, go anymore. That I 100% believe because I've seen things in high school, in high school, where guys took shots and stuff like that. And I've seen where, you know, even in boxing, I've seen guys take shots uh, in, in the hands and stuff like that. And it's, it's tough, you know, could wear off or whatever. So I wouldn't, 
I would never tell a player or say say something about a player that oh they're gonna they're gonna not go because I mean they should go because they're injured. I mean not everyone has that mindset. Football players are a little bit crazy sometimes, and I, I mean that in a in a in a good sense. But if this was like a must win game, you remember the game with the um it was the uh it was the I think it was the Patriots Rams Super Bowl when. Dick, uh, Dick Vermeil said to one of his players, you want out right now? Because he was tired. It was like the last part of the game. He was like, you want out right now? Like, we're in the Super Bowl. Like, you can't go one more play? And the guy was like, I'm gas, coach. I'm gas. I can't. I forgot who the player was. But it's like, it's, it wasn't that scenario. For Antonio Brown, it wasn't a game that he should have played for his incentive because he had one more game to go. So if it was the last game of the season, I can see that argument from both sides. And the NFL is, you know, it's it's dirty stuff. You know, like they shoot guys up with stuff, or they tell guys, "Hey, listen, look at Diggs this weekend. He needs, I think, five more catches to get an incentive for himself." So you think that they're not going to plan for that and give him these targets? Well, he's playing the Jets, so he's going to get it. You know, he can eat yeah, 15, he's going to get there. But uh, so, Matt, I want to ask you, because I want to talk about, because Cleve and I had a discussion offline, and I think we were talking past each other a bit, so I do want to move it to here. But first, Matt, what do you think, like, might have actually happened here? Do you think one of them is completely lying? Do you think it's somewhere in the middle? If it's in the middle, like, what is happening? My therapist once told me, that there are three versions of every story. There's your story, there's my story, and there's the truth. And so I think that there it is somewhere in the middle. But there's a few things about both that I, I can probably dissect a little bit. We talked about the text messages. I think the text messages were doctored, just looking at how it was presented, coming off as a new message, according to the photos that I saw, which I can't believe that he would be you know, basically having the first interaction via text with a coach that you've been on for two years. So there's that. For Bruce Arian's part where he says, I didn't know he was injured, we all know that that's crap because we know that the accounting and the paperwork trail of the injury report is well documented at this point. I knew he was injured. Right, but I'm saying like (laughs) it's so documented that that doesn't make any sense. And in my mind, for the head coach to basically come out and say, I didn't know a player was injured – when your job is to literally know about everything that is happening with your team in the NCAA, they call it institutional control, I believe. And so for Bruce Arians to basically come out and and say that it lets me know that he's lying about that. What do I actually think happened? I think that there's somewhere in the middle of perhaps Antonio Brown didn't want a player was hurting. I don't really think it has a lot to do with the incentives because again, there's another game to go and Bruce Arians, in my mind, doesn't necessarily strike me as the type, because of who he has at quarterback, the type of guy who's going to sit somebody out just to save the organization a million bucks. Because if the GOAT wants the guy in there to win, the guy's going to be in there to win. That's just my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't try it, but we all know that Tom Brady's coaching the team. So, And if Bruce Arians did try that, they've had a conversation since then. Tom has had Bruce over for dinner and he and Giselle <laughs> have had that conversation with him. Like, I believe they, it was the guy, the coach in Major League, don't ever fucking do it again. <laughs> so the other thing, too, is Bruce Arians doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's great to work for, right? He's a no, no-nonsense no kind of guy. Well, what the fuck does that mean? You're an asshole. And then right. Antonio Brown is a well-documented asshole in things that have are so much worse 
than what mm-hmm. he did on the field, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the ankle thing comes up, and it's hard to have sympathy for him because he's dancing and jumping off the field. And again, he may be adrenaline, all that stuff, and we, we, we know this. It's not a good look. Let's just say nobody looks good here. Nobody wins here except for Tom Brady, who drove the field at 93 yards, no timeouts, and two minutes left without Antonio Brown. And basically, I said to Cleve, he flipped the game ball to BA and said, it's fucking me. Like, <laughs> So there are, there are a couple things there. Um, the first is that him jumping up, up and down off the field. I'm not convinced it's related to the ankle injury because the injury might not have been I can't walk on it or even I can't run on it. It's I can't get hit on it again. Right. It might be like, oh, the next time somebody wraps up by the ankle or lands on my ankle like I can't I can't take another hit but he could like jump up a little bit plus he's fired up adrenaline whatever um so I don't really hold hold that against him now the conversation that Cleve and I were having um so Cleve I'm I was having the conversation offline as if Antonio Brown was 100% in the right which I don't actually think I don't think anybody's 100% in the right here but let's say, for the sake of argument, that Antonio Brown's version of what happened is exactly 100% correct. Mm-hmm. To my mind, I do not think that it is fair to judge him or how he handled the situation in the face of something so terrible as trying to be forced back into a football game when he's saying that he's injured. It is not what I would have done, but I don't, I, I ju- I don't like the idea of... Bruce Arians basically mistreats Antonio Brown and then Antonio Brown gets clapped back on for how he handles it when really all the clap back should come out of Bruce Arians one for doing it and then if Antonio Brown is right for lying about it as Matt pointed out so like any heat Antonio Brown is catching for ripping off his shirt and jumping around should all be heat going to Bruce Arians for being a jackass trying to put him back in the game in the line about it in the first place. This is presuming Antonio Brown is 100% right. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever, and anyone can actually Google this, have you guys ever looked at an NFL contract? Ricky Williams. Like, yeah, they, they have some base structured contracts and then they, and then they have contracts of, of guys uh, who've retired and, you know, they have built in things or whatever. The, the conduct detrimental to the team, that has, a, that's a subtext within itself. And it has all kind of things that you cannot do against your employer, right? When you're in the when you're in their employ, you're in a game, you're you're doing your job. So you're one hundred percent right that you can't I tell my daughter this all the time, you can't apologize for um your feelings about something, but you could apologize about how you reacted to it or how you acted about going about your you know, your feelings towards who's ever doing something to you. So for me, I wouldn't go as far as to say my way or how I think about it should be the way. But you have a lot of people watching these games, a lot of kids, a lot of things like that. It just because of he because of his track record. If this was anyone else, maybe we can kind of like mull over it. But because it's Antonio Brown, it it gets magnified, and he he kind of loses some of his sympathy and empathy at that point. Um, you know we. We saw, I don't know how, if you guys saw this story a couple weeks ago when Tom Brady broke the surface tablet. People were upset about him having a moment. I'm like, he could have that moment. You know, he's, it's a ter- he could afford a million of those things with the pocket money that he has walking around. But Antonio Brown, to plead his case, 
it would have been better in my eyes of him saying, you know what, in protest, take my helmet. I'm not, I'm not getting in, but I'm to strip off your uniform and all of that stuff and say that you're not, um, you're like, you don't want this brand on your body and all this other stuff. It was too much. And then the next day show up to a game courtside ankle, ankle seems to be fine then, huh? You're sitting courtside, you know, it would have been better optics show up in the fucking, in, on fucking crutches the next day or something like that at a game. So, oh, wow, well, his ankle's busted or whatever. I just think that because I'm a management guy, the optics of your argument needs to be, you know what, unless it was like he went off and like used racial shit on him, whatever, to where like the guy got triggered. But again, it doesn't excuse your behavior to, to just do whatever, man. Like, I just... I see it as it could have been handled so much better and we would have believed so much better. But I'm not saying that, that he's not injured because I'm not a doctor. I'm not there. And I've never played an NFL game to say, well, I can cut on this ankle or I can't. And Bruce Arians or any coach can't tell a player, you know what, you look fine to me, get in there. No, you know, something's happening with this guy. He can't get in there. But no personnel, medical personnel, stepped over to him and says, Hey, coach, he can't go. Like, his ankle is really fucked. Or what we gave him wore off. Like, he's he's tender to the touch. He can't go. So, you said a couple things I thought were interesting. You said that because of the way Antonio Brown reacted to, again, this is this argument is all taking place in a universe where Antonio Brown is 100% telling the truth. Mm-hmm. That the way that he reacted to his mistreatment then should impact the way the rest of us view that mistreatment. You said that it hurts his sympathy and his empathy because of how he acted. My argument is that, and this is why I think we're talking past each other. My argument is that how he reacts has no impact on what actually happened to him. If a coach ordered to go back in the game after he told the coach he was hurt and couldn't go, then that's, that is worse than him taking off his jersey and jumping around the end zone. Right, Bruce Aarons in this case still did the worst thing, and then he lied about it afterwards. If Antonio Brown's version of the story is true, him jumping around taking his shirt off is actually the least relevant part of the entire story. Bruce Aarons ordering a hurt player back in the game and then lying about it after the fact is worse, and that should get Antonio Brown even more sympathy and more empathy because he was you know, at the at the end of this, at the end of this mistreatment. So in a universe where Antonio Brown's story is what happened, I think that it is not good to think about how we feel towards him in this situation based on his past, how he acted, and like that. We have tons of sympathy and empathy for Miles Garrett trying to brain a guy with a helmet because of what the guy said to him. Right? Yeah, that's, not- well that's what I'm saying. That's what that's why I said what I said about the um if he said something racial, because it, I was trying to make a correlation and then I didn't finish my thought. It's like we 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 kind of react like, oh, that's justified. Bash his head off because he called you something. So I, I'm, I'm that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like Bruce Arians has or any coach has no right to to force a player into a game, whether they're winning or losing, because they feel like you can go. The guy knows when the guy can go. You know what I'm saying? So Bruce should have said, listen, get get medical out here and let me see what's going on because he said he can't go. So it was handled poorly. And, and I think by the Bucks, even worse, the double down about the target share, that was unnecessary to say that type of shit because he had another game to go. So that was stupid to say, oh, he was he was throwing attention to him because he didn't get to get his targets. No, that's uh, dumb. I just want to talk real quick, man, that so far we've pretty much established that uh, – 
Bruce Arians lied about Nino and he was hurt. And then mm-hmm. Cleveland said it was stupid to bring up the target stuff. It just feels like everything about the Buck side of the story or the Bruce Arians side of the story seems really kind of weird off. If I had to pick who's lying in this situation, yep. I would probably have to lean towards Bruce Arians, which is why I lean towards Antonio Brown's version being more correct. Like, I don't think, I think it's very possible that Antonio, what Antonio Brown said happened, happened. And Bruce Arians never thought that Antonio Brown would basically tell him to take the job and shove it. I mean, that's what he did. You know, Antonio Brown's like, I don't need this job. I'm out of here. He quit on the spot, no notice. And I think the Bruce Arians would never think that anybody would do that. He thought he could actually go around and talk to people this way and tell them to go back in the game yeah. when they're hurt. Antonio Brown was like, you can't talk to me that way. I'm crazy. I'm out of here. And he yeah. jumps around and walks out. And if that's the case, I don't just, I don't, I don't feel any sort of negative way towards Antonio Brown for what he did if that's what happened but again that's a pretty big if because Antonio Brown is well known for all sorts of stuff I think two things too Dave I think uh I think you're right about that I think also that the fact that oops sorry I think the fact that um I think they were there's something else was brewing and this was a reason for them to get rid of him for whatever reason maybe the vax I don't know and also I'm not like I said. The only thing I'm 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 kind of indifferent about about the whole thing is how he handled it. I don't. If he's really hurt, hell no, you shouldn't play because I gotta walk on this ankle after football is over. You know what I'm saying? And for the rest of my life, in a meaningless. This ain't the Super Bowl. This is a fucking game against the Jets, right? Week whatever. This is the Jets we're playing. Like, are you serious? So I think in the moment, and I mean, it's just mad about them them losing and what's going on. And Antonio can't go in the game, and he's just feeling himself. He's power tripping, and he got a taste of like you can't talk to someone like that. That's all I'm saying about it. Matt, I think if there's something that's evident, it's that Bruce Arians and the or well the Bucks organization left Bruce Arians out to dry a little bit because they should have had a PR specialist there nearby when he's answering these questions. Because the yeah. way that it was answered and the way that it was handled definitely told me that somebody didn't pre-prep him, these are the things that you shouldn't say. Because to come out and say, I didn't know that he was injured, it's easily refutable. Easily mm-hmm. refutable. And then the whole target share thing, that's something that feels very much like a spin that would be put on something that I don't think the organization would have done otherwise. You know what I mean? Like That's almost like Bruce Arians not really understanding that in this particular case, when it's so volatile, you need to really watch what you say because the lawyers are going to be spinning all over this because now the next thing is of course he's been released and he's going to want to get paid something and so the lawyers are going to come in they're going to settle and all that kind of stuff so you do have to watch how you say things from both sides because Cleve I know you're going to say like contractually they're not they're not obligated to pay him or something like that but that's for the lawyers to figure out and so for I think you're 100% right what I was going to say is that I think Arians jumped the gun where he said he said he's no longer a buck. Yeah. Arians doesn't really have that kind of power unless it was something so crazy. Like he struck like he struck him or something like that. The GM and the team has to go through that and the and the and the contract people have to go through that. They, you can't just say, Hey, he's not a buck anymore and they're like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Like you can't you can't fire someone like that without cause. 
and we're investigating what the cause was. You just can't say because I told him to go in, he was insubordinate, he's out of here, he's cut. No, 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 no. We got to go through legal and all of that because that alone could have been like, you know, wrongful termination. I'm just saying, it really, it really feels like Bruce Arians screwed up big time yep, and is really did. trying to fix it after the fact. So he's yep. saying things like, just like say, when you get in trouble, you never talk to the police, you know, yeah. unless a lawyer present. Lawyer. So yep. he's lying about not knowing about the injury making up things about target share or at least it it doesn't make sense to the target share thing because of the incentives and the, the extra game and, and he got and Jonah Brown had a 50% target share the game before he had 15 targets to 10 catches the game before like I don't think yeah. uh, the week before Aries was on some podcast where he described Antonio Brown as a model citizen and that he hasn't caused any problems since he's been there despite like the Vax card stuff and whatever like it is I think it is far more likely that Bruce Arians really screwed up during the game on the sideline and is trying to fix it after the fact. Yep. And yep. so, well, I don't think Antonio Brown is telling the full truth and only the truth. I think his aversion of what happened is far more likely to be closer to the truth. And so that's why I just all this talk about how Antonio Brown reacted and what he was doing and should have taken the jersey off. To me, it doesn't matter as much as... Like, same thing with Miles Garrett. Talk about him swinging the helmet. I mean, you should not swing helmets at people, but nobody's talking about Mason Rudolph, you know, dropping end bombs or whatever. So, like, yeah. if 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 Antonio Brown's version of things is far closer to the truth, all this derision and all this discussion should all be going at Bruce Arians and not so much at Antonio Brown. That's, that's really my argument. I can understand where Cleve's coming from, though, in the sense mm-hmm. that there are people that are difficult to feel any kind of sympathy for because of things mm-hmm. that they have done before. Like, for instance, the three of us would never probably feel any sympathy for Donald Trump no matter what happens because we've seen so many awful actions that he's done. It would be difficult to do so. Very, very difficult to do so. We're not talking about Antonio Brown as that, but I'm saying giving an example of something extreme it would be difficult for us to extend him the same kind of sympathy that we know we wouldn't get back. But even if I wanted him to handle the situation differently, it doesn't take away from if he feels mistreated, then he should have been treated better. But Bruce Arians, what it sounds like to me, this is speculation. First of all, Bruce Arians was losing to the Jets. I can only imagine how that was making him feel in the moment. I'm sure he's feeling pressure because Tom's probably like, what the fuck, Bruce? <laughs> and Bruce Arian strikes me as the guy, this is my opinion, not of Matty Ice Media, as the kind of guy who is who feels that he is never above reproach. Let's put it that right. way. You know what I mean? Like, he's right, you're wrong, fuck you. And he's not the kind of guy to clean this kind of mess up. They need, like, uh, what's his name? Um Ben Affleck and the accountant. They need that guy, right? The, oh, uh, you know what I'm talking I about? Gonna say, I thought you were going to say Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. There's that too. But they need like <laughs> the, the wolf. Yeah, they, the they, wolf. They, they, they need the cleaner, right? Some guy to really, <laughs> to really tidy this up. And what ended up happening, because we have so many hot mic moments, because we do the media thing that we do right after the game when things are so hot, Bruce Arians basically has a hot mic and is not the person who should be handling it. It's it's a stupid situation at this point. The Bucks are screwed by it. Antonio Brown got screwed by it. And that's why I said nobody wins here except for political football because we get to talk about it. I think there's a chance that the reason Bruce Arians came out and immediately said he's no longer a Buck is that if he had to say it before he talked to Tom Brady because Tom Brady would tell him he's still a Buck. 
yep. Tom Brady would tell him, we need him to win. He's exactly. gonna, you're going to sort this out. You're going to exactly. figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. What would happen if Tom Brady went to ownership and he was like, here's your options. You can get rid of Bruce Arians and make Byron Leftwich your Todd Bowles coach, or me and Antonio can walk out right now. What do you think? It's not a crazy scenario because Brian Leftwich is going to interview with the Jags. So Brady knows that they're going to lose him. And I'm going to tell Bruce this. Bruce, if you're listening, I liked you because you were a Virginia Tech guy. However, they'd get rid of you well before they got rid of Tom. You have no clout in Tampa. Tom will get Giselle will get rid of you in a heartbeat because Jimmy G is in San Francisco because Giselle made it so. Yeah. Recklessly speculative, but I love it. Yeah, I mean that's uh that was the alternative name for the podcast actually. So recklessly speculative. That could be a shoot off where we just talk about all of our NFL conspiracy theories and uh, yeah, it's like uh, on the first episode of Regularly Speculative. Why isn't Eric Bieniemy a coach? Yeah. Find out next. Yeah, yeah it's just, you know, that it's just in, bro. Like in the in in the workplace, a lot of times because like I'm good at work like i do what i'm supposed to do what i'm good at and i don't cause problems or whatever but like anytime something does go off the rails a bit in the workplace those of us who don't really think about the politics of the workplace start thinking about it really quick like like you maybe you get a new boss something like that um and so i think that's happened to bruce arians here i think bruce arians has been delusional this entire time thinking that he's in charge of this team and then the second he screwed up he was like holy crap I have to like face the truth that Tom's in charge and how do I get around this? I have to get out in front of it. I have to talk first. So he went out started running off at the mouth. And I was, he should be in even bigger trouble because I really do think that a full investigation is going to show Antonio Brown's version more truthful than Bruce Arians version. Isn't it great that he's more afraid of the quarterback than he is of the Glazers, the people who actually pay his salary? That's so great. Tom Tom Brady has a gig that none of us would, will have. Because Tom delivered a Super Bowl to the team and gave Arians a ring. Yeah, but Tom is the part of the staff who runs the joint. Like, he has more clout yeah. than executives. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I think we've talked enough about Antonio Brown. The truth will come out. Yep. And uh, most likely it'll come out right after we're done recording, as has happened on this show many, many times. We've broken down so many big things only to have the news break literally minutes after we have hit end on the recording. So, Cleve, I know you got to roll, but thank you for giving us an on-remote uh, recording this time. Because I don't think we've done this yet this season with you. So. Nah, we- we got to get out. Yeah, we got to get me at the John again. We got to get me at McDonald's again in the drive-thru. And now you got me driving across Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. So, Cleve, have a good one. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, pal. All right. Peace. See you. All right. Later. All right, Dave. Uh, week 16. I mean, week 17. Excuse me. I'm, I'm a week behind. It feels like it's been a whole week because uh, the snowstorm and all that stuff. So uh, let's uh, let's roll through some of these games, shall we? By the way, first of all, condolences on Michigan. Sorry, pal. Yeah, I mean, you know, what what are you going to do? Georgia was just clearly much more talented and uh, better team pretty much all the way around. I'm, I think that really only Hutchinson and Ojabo would start on Georgia and maybe only Hutchinson. So, like, I can't be that that upset about it but it was a great run great season and you know great to beat Ohio State win the Big Ten there you go all right so getting into the NFL games this past week we're going to start with the real barn burner a game that was crucial crucial to the playoff race we have the Giants three at the Bears 29 uh first play of the game I think by the Giants was a fumble that the Bears recovered and I walked into the room and saw it and I said the Giants are so bad at football that's just what I exclaimed out loud to nobody I spent the last 45 minutes up until 1 p.m. Eastern 
struggling with my cash lineup on DraftKings, whether or not to include David Montgomery or not include David Montgomery and play somebody else. And I chose not to play David Montgomery. And the first play of the game, the Giants fumble, the Bears return it inside the five-yard line. And then the next play is a touchdown run for David Montgomery. So the day did not start out great. Ended up being fine. But I was I was cussing. I was cussing a lot at that. So the Giants, we just talked about how they were behind to start the game. They were behind all game. Uh, Matt, do you know how many passes the Giants threw in this game and how many rushing attempts they had? I, I think Mike Glennon only threw like seven passes. It was very, very low. He threw. They threw 11 passes and had 39 rush attempts in a game that they were behind huge the entire game. They were not even trying to win. No. And it must be because they, they have Mike Glennon and... I guess they're trying to make sure that either one, they get Saquon injured or two, uh, they get justify paying him in the off season. Is, is that what we're thinking here? I have no idea, but this was Saquon's first 100 yard game since week 16 of 2019, I believe. So we're talking before the pandemic. I think this was his first game over 70 yards all season. I think that was, it was some stat like that where he's had all less than 70 yard, which by the way, number two pick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the best thing about this game, though, was anything that happened on the field. I mean, congrats to the Bears for winning or whatever. Uh, Joe Judge claimed in the postgame press conference that he had players who left the team in free agency to take more money elsewhere, blowing up his phone, telling him that they wish they had stayed with him at the Giants. That's a lie. That is an absolute lie. Um, There is no chance that anybody did it. Now, somebody, and I cannot remember who, but some sports writer went back and figured out like who the three possible people are and uh, followed up with them. And they, one of them said, no, it's not me. And the other two wouldn't say one way or another. But I think that's because they don't want to embarrass Joe Judge, not because it's true. Yeah. So I was thinking about this over the weekend. And is the move here by the Maras is that they're going to fire Gettleman, bring in a new GM, and the GM basically gets a pass for the first year because hey we still got the old coach see what they're gonna do and then if it's a crappy season like we know it's going to be oh see we kept the old coach and he's he's he stinks and so let's get rid of the coach and bring my guy in do you think that's the play here i think that the giants are going to that dave gettleman's going to retire become a consultant and then their finance guy is going to become the gm and the same team's going to be in play in place next year including joe judge i don't think they're bringing in anybody new you don't think so? Because I was wondering if that was the play. Like, take a you know your new GM, but you get the old coach, so you kind of get that buffer year. But uh, the Giants are are in shambles uh, organizationally, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's an it's an absolute disaster there. Speaking of uh, absolute disaster organizations, we've got the Jaguars ten and the Patriots fifty. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. So the Patriots rushing game, though, no joke. So Damian Harris, nine carries, 35 yards, two touchdowns, aggravates his hamstring injury, comes out. Ramondre Stevenson steps in, goes 19-107-2. So, man, the Patriots just put it on them. I feel like the Jags, the players, would literally want to be doing anything else right now. I think I said that in our text stream, that they look like Trevor Lawrence has a look on his face. Like, can we just go home? It's been a long season for the Jags. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I actually feel kind of bad for a lot of the players. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like none of this is really their fault. It starts with Trevor Lawrence, but even yeah. like, so like, well, Visco Chanel, I don't think it's really his fault. You know, Travis Etienne gets hurt before the season. 
I just, this whole thing was a clown show from the start with Tebow coming in in training camp. So I feel kind of bad for the Jags. But Matt, I do have good news for you. Okay. The Patriots can still get the number one seed. Yes, except every team has to lose, I think. So it's extremely unlikely that it's going to happen. You need the Chiefs. Yep. To lose to the, the Broncos. Bills. Yeah. And the Titans all to lose. It's not happening because I think they're all playing bad teams. Uh, the Chiefs are playing the Broncos, the Bills are playing the Jets, and yep. the Titans are playing the Texans. That's right. Not going to happen. Doesn't yep. matter, though. They clinched a playoff spot. They did. They did. And if the Bills lose to the Patriots, when the Patriots will also win the AFC East. So it's still that is actually still in play. You need the Jets, though. Huge Jets fan this week. Yes. Uh, so Belichick, this is one of his best coaching performances, even if they don't win the division. 10-7, and seven, maybe. Close. I mean, I know they won a lot of Super Bowls, but given coming into the season and the relative nobodies on this this team on offense, like this is fairly impressive, no? This is a very impressive coaching job. I still think hitting ceiling outcomes because he's had so many high ceiling outcomes is is up there. I mean, the 07 yes, of team that, sh- that should have just gone undefeated all the way through because that's so hard to do that is so hard oh yeah to do that i actually think that is more impressive than anything else he could do even he took over the jags next year and won a super bowl like going what should have been 19 and 0 is insane that's why that game is the only one that hurts because it it should have been history in in, i mean and it's a one game sample it's it, it is what happens that's why we we don't have series and why we don't play these games multiple times but that one does hurt because of what was at stake in that game and how hard it was just to get to that game yep absolutely uh so yeah the patriots are in the playoffs and then where they're playing who they're playing at whatever as of right now the most likely outcome is that they're going to buffalo yeah in the gonna, first round and they're gonna lose because buffalo's good yeah, I uh, kind of, I kind of bummed. We don't have uh, Cleve here for later to talk about Josh Allen, but that's okay. Uh, right now, we are going to talk about the Rams twenty at the Ravens nineteen. This game effectively eliminates the Ravens from the playoffs. Actually, it does functionally eliminate them because we'll get we'll get to why later. But the Ravens have a two percent chance to make it now, but it's not going to happen. But the most impressive thing in this game, the Ravens were winning most of this game. Yes. And we got to see Matt Stafford in the fourth quarter. And I'm glad that other people got to see this because he's got like as many fourth quarter wins as 2011 as Russell Wilson does. Yep. Despite playing for the Lions this entire time. He is just, he is such a clutch player in the fourth quarter. And speaking of clutch players, uh, Odell Beckham came through huge. He had the fourth down conversion on the game-winning drive and the game-winning touchdown. And then Von Miller had the sack that sealed the game. So mm-hmm. these veteran acquisitions later in the season for the Rams really paying off huge at the right time. Are we a little nervous about Stafford's turnover propensity the last few games? He's been throwing more interceptions, and it's it's been a little concerning. Now, they did come back and win, so that one is on him. But in the playoffs, though, is that something to be concerned about? Yes, I mean, I think it's going to be much more matchup dependent than than anything else. And also, like, there's some quarterbacks that never turn the ball over. Like Aaron Rodgers has four interceptions this year, which is amazing. But most quarterbacks throw, what, half an interception a game, yeah. 0.6 interceptions a game. So I, I don't think it's that that big of a deal. The better, the I think the other way to look at it is, can Matt Stafford put together four games where he only throws one interception right. and then win the Super Bowl? And I think that's also true. 
So it's gonna be more like which one are we going to get more than is one a concern. As long as the ceiling is possible, then I don't really care that much about the downside because any loss is a loss. It doesn't matter how you lose. So you gotta be able to go through and win if he's capable of doing that with this team. Yeah, and they're, but they're gonna have to do it on the road at least once, if not twice, depending on how uh, things go for them. So, you know. I think I think if they win this week, they are the number two seed, right? Because they've got the tiebreaker with the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said at least once. So yeah. if they have to play in Green Bay again, I don't know. That to me, that's that's really tough. They didn't look good. They, ha- I mean, you get a second chance, you never know. But um, playing on the road in the playoffs, especially in a really crappy environment, is tough. I think that the number two seed in the NFC has a good chance of playing all their games at home because either the Bucks or the Cowboys are most likely to be the road teams in the second round, right? And I think the Bucks and the Cowboys can both beat the Rams and the Packers on the road. Yeah. So. I think that just locking in the two home games is huge because there's a good chance if you win that second game, you're going to get the third win at home because I think all four of those teams are fantastic. Yeah. Because they'll all be a number one seed. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Rams are in a very, a very good position. Uh, Ravens get a pass this season because of all the injuries and, and Lamar being hurt. And I mean, there's just there's it gets to a point where there's too much to overcome. They lost that game against the uh Bengals where Joe Burrow threw for 500 yards. They were down their top five defensive backs, top four running backs, and top two quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm trying to give them a pass and and not be so harsh. And they had two games where they lost on the final play going for two to win, which was correct. If they make both of those instead, if you think it's 50-50, so 25% they miss both, 25% they make both. If they made both of them, they're probably still first in the division, right? Yeah, probably. Or tied for it. Or at least. Tied, have been swept by the Bengals or something. Like, it'd be yeah. much closer, much more interesting. So, so yeah. So, I, I think the Ravens get a pass this year. And actually, as soon as... So, last year, January 25th, 2021, I bet the Chargers to win the Super Bowl as soon as they drop the lines. I'm betting the Ravens to win the next Super Bowl as soon as I can. All right. As soon as as soon as soon they'll let me. So Not the Eagles, remember. No, not, not the Eagles. Uh, the next game here, we got the Bucks 28 at the Jets 24. We obviously talked about Antonio Brown, but the game itself was very interesting. The Jets weren't control of this game most of the way, which is probably why Bruce Arians was losing his mind. And I have to say, the Jets have been fighting pretty hard down the stretch here. Yeah, they have. Not closers, though. And that's the well, sign of a good team. Well, yeah, well, no no coffee yet, but still, better than the Jags, better than the Giants. Would you rather be the Jets or the Giants right now? No, I think I'd rather be the Jets. I mean, I, I never was on the same the same path that Cleve was on with Zach Wilson. I think he has had one of the worst, if not the worst, rookie campaigns so far. But he's been injured, you know, brand new head coach. I think Robert Sala is far more competent than Urban Meyer was. And yes. it's just a matter of time before it takes time for these things like the reason why mac jones gets to work out is because he gets drafted by a six-time super bowl champion head coach of the patriots and he's got josh mcdaniels who is also a head coach who could probably be a head coach and if he wanted to the situation works out right you're getting drafted to an established uh, you know established place here the jets haven't been established in any fashion since what 2010 was that the last afc championship game that they went to and even then, that was a bit of a joke. They punch way above their weight. Exactly. So it, it it needs time to sort of percolate. New York fans, as we discussed last week, are impatient, right? So it's just going to take a little bit. I see Zach Wilson making some strides. He was making the shorter passes, doing the more 
uh, rudimentary things a lot more efficiently in this game. And that allows for you to basically, you know, hit his high ceiling, which he's good at. Salah's going to take a little time for that play calling thing. And they played up to the competition for the first time, except maybe the Bengals game where they actually won and i guess the titans game man the 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 jets have beaten two playoff teams this year that's crazy maybe they can make it a third this week um but yeah but what i took away from this game though is that tom brady is still tom brady like he gets the ball 93 yards to go two minutes no timeouts no problem yeah, I have my note here is that Brady is stone cold. The game when he touched down was sick. I mean, what a throw. Who was it to? Cyril Grayson? Yeah. Let me ask you, what Brady's doing now at his age, is it more impressive than anything that he's done in his career so far at his age? I mean, it's impressive to just still be doing it at this age. Um, and he honestly should probably beat the MVP this year. I think Rodgers will get it, but I think it should be Brady. But... It, it's it's up there. I mean, to be able to do this, what is he, 44 now? Yeah, Something like that? He's going to be 45 yeah. this offseason. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely sick. I remember when I was a kid, my dad telling me about George Blanda playing until he was 46 or something. And I think you mentioned this before when you look at the photos of George Blanda, and he looks like he just walked up the front lines of Verdun, and then Tom Brady's out here looking like a model. I mean, it really is really impressive what Tom Brady's able to do. George Blanda looked like he had lived seven lifetimes at age 44, and Tom <laughs> Brady looks amazing. But the thing about it, though, and that's why I bring it up, because we've seen older quarterbacks survive. Like, Drew Brees was 40 last year, right? But he was a shell of who he was. Tom Brady Brady is out there dropping dimes and slinging it with precision. Like, he has not dropped off talent-wise almost at all. If it is, it's very, very marginal. I'm sure he has in some way. Like, he's a tick slower in some ways. But he's so cagey that he has made up for it in a way that he threw to a whole bunch of nobodies and ended up winning the game. I mean, Philip Rivers would die to have a 93 yard drive with no timeouts to win the game. Like every single season, he got the ball back with down nine with 54 seconds left and no timeouts. And he never could bring it back. That's why he always did the whole pick six thing that Cleveland always goes back on because he never had anything. But Tom Brady's 44 and he's not out there getting lucky because these guys are making him look good, like Ben Roethlisberger. He's actually the reason why they are still this good. And it's not out of the range of out. Can you imagine two Super Bowls in two years after leaving the Patriots? That would be stupid. I'd actually love it because at that point, it really does do the who's was it Belichick or was it Brady? Because I'm pretty firmly on the Brady side of that. I mean, of course, it's both or whatever, but like I'm firmly on the Brady side. So that would kind of do, uh, I'll put that in there, but I can't. I can't have the Bucks win another Super Bowl. Even if they beat—oh, actually, Bucks-Patriots would be the worst possible outcome for you, wouldn't it? Because it'd be the—oh, my God. The two—even I, I would sit it out. I'd be like, I can't for two weeks. It was bad enough for a week playing the Adele song. It was just—oh, stop it. So I can only imagine what that'd be like for the Super Bowl. We—if the Patriots and the Bucks play in the Super Bowl, we will be talking about the draft <laughs> already. Oh, uh. uh, but uh, the Patriots aren't going to the Super Bowl, and that is because Falcons 15, Bills 29 are going to the Super Bowl. So the Bills finished a minus two in turnovers in this game and won by two touchdowns against a seven-win team. The Bills are very, very good. Yeah, the Falcons are fraudulent seven wins, though. They're such a weird team, and they were in it but never felt like they were going to win. So they're fraudulent, but part of that fraudulency 
fraudulentness is that sometimes good teams have play poorly with lots of turnovers against them and they sneak out wins they don't deserve. And that's kind of what Buffalo did here. And Buffalo still won by two touchdowns. I mean, Josh Allen, 11 of 26 for 120 yards, no touchdowns and three interceptions is awful. Yeah, it's not good. Awful through the air. However, 15 carries, 81 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, just like we always talk about. When you have a quarterback that can run, they can make up for bad passing days. And not only could he... They didn't squeeze out a win because he could run. They won by two touchdowns despite him throwing three interceptions. I mean, they stopped the Falcons. Yeah. So this team is this team is just well built to go go the entire way. Yeah, and the Falcons lost Kyle Pitts to a hamstring injury, so they yeah. nobody, absolutely nobody. No, uh, rumors that Calvin Ridley now is going to demand a trade this offseason. So and that that will happen. That's what I said so, he should do. Yep. So, and this and the Kyle Pitts injury is actually important because yeah. the Falcons game this week matters against the Saints. Yeah. This if the Saints beat the Falcons, a 49ers loss to the Rams put the Saints in. So the 49ers really want the Falcons to win this game, but with no Kyle Pitts, no Calvin Ridley, gonna be tough. I mean, unless Cord- Cordell Patterson gets 84 touches, I don't know what they're gonna be able to do. Yeah. Next game here, we have a crazy one. Uh, couple actual Super Bowl contenders here: the Chiefs 31, the Bengals 34, and my goodness, Joe Burrow 30 of 39, 436 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and the Chiefs have been playing good defense this season. Yes, they have, and the Bengals are trending upward in the right. In the at the right time, they sure are. Jamar Chase. So last week, last week, T. Higgins twelve for one ninety four and two. Mm-hmm. This week, Jamar Chase eleven for two hundred and sixty six yards and three touchdowns. His first touchdown, he caught the ball at like the fifty or his own forty five, surrounded by three players, and scored on it. And we talked about before how his game speed has to be faster than his clock 40 time because his 40 time was only a 439. <laughs> the way he separated from the defenders after catching this ball, I think only Tyreek Hill is faster. Yeah. Tyreek runs a 425. He showed some some burst. Let's put it that yeah. way. And when he got out of the five man, you know, crew that he was in the middle of or whatever it was, yeah. and he just took off. I want to ask you about the Bengals though. Because it's easy to be a prisoner in the moment, right, to to these things when we see a hot team or a trending team. But we've also seen their floor is to lose to the Jets. So I think that they're trending in the right direction. But is is the ceiling truly a Super Bowl for this team? Or are we a prisoner of the last two games and we need to look at everything in totality? Any team with five offensive skill position players this good, including the quarterback, can win the Super Bowl. That's what I Even if their defense was trash, even if their offensive line is not good, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that's that's enough on its own. Now, it helps to have other things. It helps to have other pieces and place to help you out a little bit. They got a couple good defensive players and stuff like that, but... Yes, I think that the Bengals can win the Super Bowl. They won the AFC North, so mm-hmm. they're going to have at least one home game. Yes. They are still alive for the number one seed. They are. If the Chiefs and the Titans were to both lose this week and the Bengals win, mm-hmm. the Bengals would be the number one seed. Now, they'll know going into Sunday because the Chiefs play on Saturday. So if the Chiefs lose on Saturday, now they know they're down to the Titans 
I'll have it only lose for them to jump up and take the number one seed. I don't know if they won then. Yeah, they'd have to take the number two seed then from Kansas City. Yeah. So that's still available because getting two uh, games at at home would be huge for them as as well. So right now the talk in fantasy is that the Bengals are going to sit their players. If Kansas City loses on Saturday, the Bengals aren't resting their players. They're coming out yeah. to try to get that to try to get that extra that extra home game. Uh, one other thing about this game is that the Chiefs lost this game on two critical mistakes. Mm-hmm. Again, the final score was 34-31 Bengals. At the end of the first half, Tyreek dropped a 70-yard bomb. Sure did. Like it was like a desperate heat, but it was one on one in his hands and he dropped it. He either would have shook the defender for a touchdown or gotten tackled and timeout and kick a field goal or something like that. And then with the game tied late in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs defense gave up a third and 27 yes. to Jamar Chase. That put them in position to, to eventually go down and get the game-winning field goal. And then that leads to the last point on this game, which is the very end of it. Game's tied at 31. It's fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Game is tied a, a minute 10 or so to go on the clock. No timeouts for the Chiefs. Would you have kicked the field goal to go up 34-31, give the ball to Mahomes with a minute to go, no timeouts, or try to score the touchdown right there to go up by a touchdown? I would try to score the touchdown because a minute is long enough for that team to be able to get it because, as you said, if not for a dropped aforementioned 70-yard bomb, which they're fully capable of, that yep. game could have been lost on one play. Yeah, absolutely. And so I agreed with all that. And it's funny, Tony Romo was calling this game and he was getting this wrong over and over again, saying that, oh, they just need to keep the field goal, they need to keep the field goal. But again, what we talked about last week came into play. If they went for it on fourth and one and didn't make it, the Chiefs would have the ball with 99 and a half yards to go. And so that actually comes into play a lot too. You got safeties holding in the end zone, mm-hmm. all sorts of different ways to try to get, you know, they can't run the ball because they have no timeouts. Yep. So, you know, I think going for it, there was right now what happened is that they ended up not making it, but there was pass interference or some such, and they yep. kicked the field goal later, something, and who knows. But I really did think Zach Taylor was right to go for in that situation. I thought so too. Be aggressive. Because a field goal doesn't give you the win, it just gives you the lead, and there's a minute to go. But having the ball on the 99.5-yard line, as opposed to a kickoff, you might get it at 25 at worst, but what if it's a bad kick? You get it on the 40, right? There's a return, you get it even further. They probably put Tyreek back for the kickoff. Exactly. So there are strategic moves that could make it more likely for the chiefs to end up getting a touchdown anyway they're capable of a lot so i mean they went up 28 14 in this game like like that and they can score one touchdown if need be and i i like being aggressive i mean i feel like these young teams with these young up-and-coming stars have got to learn to be aggressive in this league because that's how you win like there's a there's a time and a place if that's at the end of the first half kick the field goal and get the points and move on to the next half. But with the game on the line, like this is a huge game. Just go for the jugular, man. And that's not a pun because they're the Bengals. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, the next game here. This is how the audience knows Cleve is actually busy today and can't record. We've got the Dolphins 3 at the Titans 34. Oh, boy. So the Dolphins are eliminated from the playoffs, they as are. well they should be after performance like this. The Titans uh, hang on to the number one, the number one overall seed. So it's up to them this week to beat the Texans, and they can hang on to the number one overall seed in the AFC. In this game, Tua 
18 of 38, 205 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, two carries for one yard on the ground. Basically, two was not a runner, so he was not able to do anything to help offset this terrible passing day. This also limits his upside going forward for how great or good he can be, but he's also not a bust. This, however, was a terrible game. I want to bring up a game from last year and, and I, I talked about this with Cleve because it's not a manner of like putting Tua down, but I think it actually speaks to what you just said about his ceiling. This is a game they absolutely had to have. Now they had to have it because of all the things that happened this season and he brought them back to this point. So we've given him a lot of credit until this point, but in a must win game, he didn't show up and I'm, it's not just him, but he had a terrible, terrible day last year. They had a chance to make the playoffs if they beat Buffalo and they got blown out and he had another bad game. And so I'm asking in these must win situations now that guys need to step up in if they're going to have this high ceiling. Joe Burrow has done that this season, right? We've seen that. It, is this possibly a trend for Tua that is going to that like limit that ceiling in these must win games? There seems to be something that doesn't work out with the team with him at quarterback it's not all his fault that's not what i'm saying but i think you understand where where i'm trying to go with this conversation because it's now two seasons in a row that they they had a chance and they came up short against a you know against the team that they needed to beat a good team I think by that, the way I, I think it were small sample size to make that determination quite yet but you're right that it definitely having it happen twice is not it's not the best now i don't think that Tua is the only reason they got destroyed in this game. He's they not. never could have won with that performance like that from him. Right. But Dante Foreman has 26 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown for the Titans. Dontrell Hilliard, eight carries, 45 yards and a touchdown. The Titans were able to run the ball as if Derrick Henry were playing. Mm-hmm. And that is the reason why the Dolphins got obliterated and had no chance in this game. Oh, I agree. So I don't want to just put it all onto his shoulders. He did not play enough well enough for them to win the game, but he also did not play poorly enough for them to get blown out the way that they did either. Man, QBR is 7.9. Ooh, that's that's not good. Last year against the Bills, it was 15.7, so he, he doubled his output last year. By the way, the game was so out of control last year with the Bills that Matt Barkley came in and threw 13 passes. Matt, I Bar- remember. Matt Barkley. I, I, I remember that. I had uh, Josh Allen in cash that week. So I remember Matt Barkley coming in because it was such a blow. And um, again, not all to his fault, but a lot of times the quarterback is the focal point mm-hmm. when you look at these teams needing a win and players showing up. And it's a it's a multifaceted thing. It's a team effort. But that's what that, that's what Cleve would focus on. And it just happened that it's two seasons in a row. And it doesn't mean that that makes a full trend. But if next season we get to the the last week or the second to last week and Tua has a stinker with the playoffs on the line again, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, but that'd be impressive for Houston to be that close to the playoffs in just one year. <laughs> or Washington football um, team or whoever he's been. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, to your point, like if Tua, so Tua in this game was 18 of 38 for 205 yards and no touchdowns. If he were 27 of 38 for 305 yards and two touchdowns and they lost 34 to 17 yeah. because the defense couldn't stop the Titans running game, we would not be saying the same things about Tua, even though he lost the game that they yeah. needed to win. It's because he played so bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last thing on this game, the Titans number one seed. I mentioned it briefly. I think last week I mentioned how important it was for them. Derrick Henry back at practice this week. Yep. They're going to beat the Texans, you would assume. And... 
kept the number one seed, they are going to get a fully healthy Derrick Henry back for the playoffs with home field advantage. I hate to say it. You mentioned this, they were a nightmare at the beginning of the season. I think we might have the Titans. I think we might have Titans bills in the AFC title game. And you I, might have to for Buffalo or the AFC South. I can't wait for the Titans to lose their only home game uh, in the playoffs with a full Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. I can't wait for it. <laughs> because Joe Burrow's throwing for 600 yards and Derrick Henry's taken completely out of the game. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I... I, I am not calling for the Titans like to go to the Super Bowl or anything no. like that. I'm just saying that it is so much of the range of possibility now with the home field, one fewer game and a healthy Derrick Henry. It is it is far more and it's far more likely than either uh sports betting is giving it right now or yeah. like models that predict this sort of stuff mm-hmm. because they take into account the entire season. But of course we know Derrick Henry's coming back full go. I think that they're being undervalued right now. And if you wanted to play a good place, a good futures bet Titans to win the AFC or win the Super Bowl right now, you are getting good value. Although I don't think it's going to happen. I think Buffalo is going to the Super Bowl. You know how I feel about this. Bet the Patriots. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Next thing here, we got the Raiders 23 at the Colts 20. Uh, Matt, what did you do with this game? On the one hand, the Raiders are frauds and drive you crazy. On the other hand, the Colts are the AFC South. What, What were you doing? I have to backtrack on how I feel about the Raiders. I felt like the Raiders are fraudulent, but I have to admit that there is something about the way that they have responded to everything that's happened this season to be nine and seven, to have a chance at the playoffs. I, I don't know. I, I, I've come to feel some, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm happy for them and not because they beat the Colts, but when I really looked at it, I was like, they really had no business being nine and seven. And they're plucky, they're resilient, and they've, I mean, so much has happened, so much has been taken away from them, and they're still out there fighting. It's it's what we ask for in our teams. It's what we ask for, you know, to play hard, and they've been doing that. And for them to make it harder for the Colts to get in the playoffs now, uh, that was just an added bonus. So I've, I've sort of come full circle on the Raiders. And while I don't think that they are Super Bowl contenders, they've they've played hard enough to get me to pay attention and, and give them some props. Just in time to get let down this week when the Chargers beat up by 41 points. Yeah, I mean, that's probably <laughs> going to happen. But if, if, if coming into the season, though, first of all, we said they were possibly going to be bottom five in the league. And they've, yep. they've outplayed that. So we were all wrong on that. But yep. to lose Gruden to lose Henry Ruggs and to lose two other players. Now, by the way, no Raider should ever drive a car again. Can we make that out there? Please, please. <laughs> to have all that happen, I mean, Rich Visaccio, right? He has had, I mean, he's, he's, he's gotten this team to continue to play well. And there has to be credit given, even if they don't make the playoffs. I think nine and eight, given everything, if we knew that ahead of time, if we had the, the DeLorean like we used to, like we used to talk about, we would have said no chance. Just no chance that they have it. They, they have a chance to make the playoffs at the last season. No way. So and, and and if one of us came back in the DeLorean and said the Raiders are going to the playoffs, yeah, we would have been like, oh my god, Hall of Fame year from Darren Waller, 150 catches, yeah, 1900 yards, 25 touchdowns, and he's been hurt, yeah, the entire season. Exactly. So that's why I've become a little bit attached to them in some way because they've they've proven to me that they're they're playing with a lot of heart, and I know that a lot of those intangible things don't resonate with people but you have to give them some credit for that 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, both these teams control their own destiny for the playoffs. There are two playoff spots left in the AFC. If the Colts beat the Jaguars, they are in. So, yep. that's... So, congratulations to the Colts, or please lose to the Jags and not make it in, because next week's episode would be so good. Um, what I really want is for that whole ridiculous scenario for the Chargers and Raiders to play for the tie, so they both make it. Like, I, I so want that. So, that's so that's exactly what I'm about to bring up. The Raiders and the Chargers will play each other this week. The winner gets in. However, if the Jaguars lose to the Colts, the Raiders and Chargers will both make it in if they tie. Mm-hmm. The NFL and their infinite wisdom did not think about this. Nope. The Colts play on Sunday during the day, but the Chargers and Raiders are the Sunday night flex game because they feel like it's basically a playoff game. If the Jags beat the Colts, the Raiders and Chargers are incentivized to just take knees all game and tie 0-0. They will both make the playoffs in that case. I have no idea what's going to happen if the Jags beat the Colts, but I know the Chargers and Raiders will for sure do this. They will for sure take the tie and both make it in. Does the league flex another game to Sunday night at the last second to try to have, so that's not the only thing on television while they're, while they're doing this is the league just award them a tie. So they don't have to broadcast this embarrassment. I mean, they really, the Chargers Raiders should have been flexed to Saturday. Yeah. So they had to play without knowing what was happening with the Colts. Instead, they flexed the Cowboys Eagles, both of whom might be resting their players this week. They they did not think this through at all. I I hope maximum punishment for the NFL. Jags beat the Colts. Colts are out. Good for us. And then Raiders Chargers to take knees for sixty minutes. Yep. Oh, that that would be great. Roger Goodell would be losing his mind. They've got to have something to plan in place now. They know this is a possibility. But man, I hope I hope that happens. All right. Is the this, next game here. By the way, oh, this, this is a glitch in the Matrix, by the way. This would never happen in the Matrix. What, what would happen in the Matrix? That the teams take a tie to make it in? Yes, that's right. This whole thing <laughs> is a glitch in the Matrix, and Goodell and all the agents have to go back and reconfigure the code. They've messed it up. <laughs> Did you watch the new Matrix movie? Not yet. Uh, it's worth watching if you like the Matrix. Not particularly good, but worth it if you like the Matrix. All right, fair enough. That's what I figured. Yep. Um, okay, so the next game here, we have the Eagles 20 at the Admirals 16. Because uh, the Washington football team somehow let the new name of the team leak before they're ready to make their big announcement. So we have the Admirals uh, 16, and the Eagles have locked up a playoff spot. They are in. Yep, and uh, the the Washington Admirals also don't know how to configure their stadium for maximum safety, so there's that as well. Nearly cost the Eagles Jalen Jalen Hurts for the for the playoffs. Boy, that's a terrible franchise. Yeah, just abs- absolutely terrible. That that video clip Jalen Hurts almost being crushed by the crowd was horrifying for any number of reasons. Uh, if that were to happen, though, you'd know that the Eagles just run right out and trade for Nick Foles, right? <laughs> for the playoff run again. You bet. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about this game aside, again, from the new name and the fact the Eagles are in the playoffs. I mean, the Admirals had a chance coming towards uh, the end of the game. Heineken threw an interception to seal it, but really, the Eagles are in control most of the way. The funny part is, in the article that I read about the name reveal, Admirals wasn't even on the list of short, like the short list of names that they were considering. So that's really strange. Whatever. Yeah, it's a good choice. No, it is a good choice. the the one that I the list that I saw of the names that I liked was like the Armada was one of them, and I'm like that kind of sounds like yeah. you're bringing the whole fleet with you to battle, kind of a thing. Like I yeah. can get behind that. Admirals actually really isn't isn't that bad. 
I mean, you really could could go someplace with that. Now, I'll be interested to see how the burgundy and gold colors go with the admirals because that doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I don't uh, know anything about yeah military rank or colors or anything anything like that. I mean, go army beat navy, but other than that, I don't really uh, yeah no 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 too much. Um, the next game here are Broncos 13, Chargers 34. The Broncos are missing about eight key defensive players due to COVID. Yeah. We don't talk about defensive players so much here or in fantasy, but this game was a lock for the Chargers going into it. The Broncos were basically running out the Jets' defense in this game. Uh, Chargers continue to be the most frustrating team in the league because now they need to win at the Raiders on Sunday night, presuming the Colts beat the Jags, to make the playoffs. And the Chargers feel like they should be for sure in the playoffs already. Yeah. And goodbye, Vic Fangio. Yeah, adios. Yep. Anything else on this game? No. I didn't think so. All right, next game here, very interesting. I was hoping that Cleveland was going to be here for this conversation. We had the Texans 7 at the 49ers 23. Before I read any sort of stats or anything, what was your impression of Trey Lance in this game? It started off slow, took a little bit to get going, but eventually kind of picked it up, and I could see the upside there. So, I mean, he played like I thought he would play. He's only had a handful of snaps this season. You're not going to expect him to go out there and light it up. Yeah, 16 of 23 for 239 yards, 10 yards in attempt two touchdowns and one interception and then eight carries 31 yards on the ground had a rushing TD called back on a holding away from the play so in terms of judging process he also ran for a touchdown even though it didn't it didn't count right I thought he looked perfectly fine and I thought that he also justified my take all season that he should have been playing this entire year because how good would he look now had he been playing all year yeah well well I said he I said he looked slow not slow but like it was one of those games and maybe this is because you're seeing it on red zone so you're seeing it all chopped up and you're not seeing like the complete thing but like every time it seemed like we saw them there they weren't moving the ball you know like they weren't flowing and moving the ball but again it wasn't because he was playing poorly again when he's not in the lineup all season long there's there's right. no chemistry and they're used to Jimmy G and they're like, well, what's he going to do to fuck this up? Where do we have to be in order to make this work? But eventually, as the game went on, he started to get it to the playmakers. I mean, Debo Samuel had a great game. And again, his his speed and explosiveness and what I think is so in his benefit. And that we this came up in the household because Chris said this about Josh Allen. She's like, he is such a monster. Like when he runs, he's so big. And it's hard to take him down. Like, he's bowling over guys. And Trey Lance has that kind of size. Like, he's a big, big guy. And so once he starts to get more reps and more confidence, I think he has the ceiling of Josh Allen, quite frankly. Like, you can see the you can see the comparisons there, the skill yep. sets there. And if he hits that kind of a ceiling with the other playmakers that they have, they're going to have a window of really young, well, I mean, not necessarily really young, but young-ish talent with George Kittle being kind of where Kelsey was a few seasons ago, high ceiling mm-hmm. for this team. Yeah, no, I think that this team is in a great, a great position to, uh, to do some damage going forward this year, though, they're in a bit of trouble. Yeah. They have to beat the Rams to secure the playoff spot. They also get in with the new Orleans loss. However, if they lose to the Rams and the saints beat the Falcons, the saints are going to the playoffs and the 49ers are going home. And that feels kind of like a crime, it does. but it also feels like something that Shanahan brought on himself by playing Jimmy G all season. And I don't know if, can you wait for them to put Jimmy G back in for this game and to lose to the Rams, uh, you know, by scoring only 24 points when the Rams put up 38. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
I, I am I'm going to be victory lapping quite a bit if they put Jimmy G back in and they don't make <laughs> don't make don't make the playoffs. Um, oh, that's more results based, but still, I I know, man. It, it, it just it's watching this game of Trey Lance. It just feels so obvious what they should have been doing all season. You yep. know what I mean? Yep, I'm excited. Next game here, fun game, totally meaningless game for real life football. Super meaningful in all of like the best ball championship rounds across the industry. The Lions 29 at the Seahawks 51. So this game was supposed to have bad weather going into it, some snow and some wind and whatnot. I don't think that that matters no. <laughs> with them scoring 80 points nope. between them. DK Metcalf eruption. I told y'all it was coming. I told y'all everything underlying was there for DK Metcalf. 663 and three touchdowns. Yeah, it only took you seven or eight weeks to get here, but you've been telling us for seven or eight weeks. No, I, was, I wasn't I was saying it was going to be the next week. I was saying like at some point. Oh, it's coming. It's going, I, I said Jamar Chase as well. Like you could just see the underlying stuff is there. This explosion is going to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, uh, DJ Moore as well, whenever he gets a good quarterback. Uh, Rashad Penny was the league winner this year. Uh, 25 carries, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. And that's just variance, right? Like, he's not great. Well, his profile is not that bad. Decent prospect, first-round draft capital, been hurt a lot. He's probably He should not have been drafted where he was, like last pick of the first round, which is where Clyde Edwards Hilaire was drafted. But if he was a third-round pick... And this, he had this sort of arc. We'd be so excited for him going forward. Yeah. So I think we should just be like, he was overdrafted. Time to be excited about him going forward, if that makes any sense. That's fair. And uh, last game for Russ and Pete Carroll, you think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, this week coming up will be. But yeah, it's their last uh, their last ride in Seattle. They're both leaving town, I imagine. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. That was my follow-up. But do you think it's one or the other or both? Yeah, no, I think I think they're both gone. Um, and then finally, I noted this in our text third offline. But Amon Ross St. Brown scored more directing points in this game combined or, or more directing points in this game than Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, and Steph Diggs this week combined. Amon Ra, eight catches, 111 yards and a touchdown, two carries, 23 yards and a touchdown. Just absolutely disgusting. I'll say it again. Nice little receiver. He is a really nice building block. Uh, two. Now he's going to be overdrafted in fantasy next year because he's doing all this with no DeAndre Swift and no TJ Hawkinson. Yep. And they're probably going to add somebody in the outside uh, in the offseason. So don't be taking him in the fourth round next to your Lions fans. And you're going to be producing like this. But for the real life Lions, he is a great piece to build around with Hawkinson and Swift. Yep. Uh, any thoughts on this game? Uh, no, not really. Right. Ne- neither one. Although Lions didn't go winless technically uh, because they tied on the road this year. So 08 and 1. So good for them. Yeah, good job. Exactly. Uh, well, you know they they got they had the extra road game anyways. Unfair. They should have so, they should have beat the, the Steelers. Yeah, that would have been uh, would have been something. So the next game here we got the Cardinals twenty five, the Cowboys twenty two. Kyler's back. He's healthy. Twenty six of thirty eight, two hundred sixty three yards, two touchdowns, no picks, nine carries, forty four yards. So they're finally. I said this a couple weeks ago. Like why against the Lions? Like why aren't they running him? They finally used him to move the chains, especially. And I thought this was a really good win for the Cardinals. I thought so too. But man, Cowboys had to take a timeout on a fourth down because the defense didn't know what the hell was going on. McCarthy looked completely confused. And then they couldn't challenge the wrongly called fumble because they didn't have any timeouts. So can't wait for this to happen in the playoffs to the Cowboys. Some some stupid thing like this. Yep, absolutely. Uh, however, Cowboys... Do you know Zeke's stat line offhand? 
Who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nine carries for 16 yards. Nice. So something to care about, but you're right. It did not matter. And then Pollard three for nine. Uh, Should they just abandon Zeke? Well, we abandoned the fullback a long time ago in football. So we're not running the eye formation very often or the wishbone. So maybe we should. I mean, should he really just be short yardage and goal line and they just play Pollard the rest of the time? Are they more explosive? I think so. I mean, well, my my brother-in-law would tell you that he's that Zeke is better in pass protection, so they do need him out there a little bit more often. But nine for sixteen, I mean, God, I could do that. Feel I, like. actually, I think you could. I think, I think no, could. I really think that I could get lucky, bust off like a ten-yard run, and then inch forward for those sixteen yards. The other eight carries, like I would just happen to hit one hole that one time and just hold the ball and just hope that I didn't get obliterated, and then inch forward like Brady has to get a thousand yards. Oh, see, I was thinking differently. Nine quarterback sneaks, I could get 16 yards. You probably could, but I'm saying, like, (laughs) if we tried traditionally, like, if you handed the ball off to me, I feel like, actually, I'll tell you what would happen, is I would get big eyes because a hole would be there, and I'd go for it, and then it would close so fast because those guys are so friggin' fast, and I'd be like, that, that was my chance. Like, that was it. Like, I don't know. That That would actually be hilarious. Okay, Matt, you get nine attempts. Can you get 16 yards? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, just we already have that cutback ready to go. Yes. So I don't have any other thoughts on this game. I mean, the Cowboys, if they had won this game, they'd be in a much better position trying to get the number two seed. And now that's a bit of a reach for them. So I imagine they're probably going to rest on their players this week. The Cardinals can now win the AF, the NFC West if the Rams lose to the 49ers and the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. Yeah. Then the Cardinals will win the West and get a home game. I don't think the Cardinals... The Cardinals can also get the number two seed if the Bucks lose too. Yeah. But that seems a bit of a reach. The most likely outcome, it seems, is that they would play the Cowboys again. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, but where? Are they going to play them in Arizona or play them in Dallas? I mean, that's still actually up in the air a little bit. Well, if they can't get the, if they don't get the division, I think they'd play them in Dallas. So, because I think they'll have the best record of the fi- of the wild card teams. The Cardinals. Oh, yeah, because Dallas has won the division already. That's right. Dallas is the only team in the league right now who's locked where they're locked. Like, they can't get any better than fourth, I don't think. I think they lose all. I went to the playoff thing and and did all the scenarios, and I didn't ever move them out of the fourth spot. I, I don't I, I don't think that's true, but I think it's so close to true that I can't think of a way to get around it. I tried, and I couldn't move them out of four, and I'm like, I guess they're stuck here. Yeah. I mean, um, they, they lose the tiebreaker to the box. They, they can't catch the Packers. Who are the other ones? Uh, who's the other division winners? The Rams or the the Cardinals? They've lost the tiebreakers to them too. Bucks, yeah, yeah Bucks. They, so they they basically have lost all the tiebreakers and they can't catch the Packers. So they're pretty much stuck where they're at. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, maybe that is true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um. All right. Next game here, game that we thought was going to be useless, turns out that it's going to matter. Panthers ten, Saints eighteen. First down in this game, Sam Darnold through the glue factory. That dude is done. Yeah, he's done man he's done so are the panthers and the saints are offensive being this close to the playoffs it's offensive (laughs) oh i I have to say i think the saints are a favorite to make the playoffs at this point right offensive actually the saints are the new raiders it's offensive did i just call the saints the raiders last week you probably did it's just like watching Taysom hill play play quarterback uh, i don't i don't know it's like watching my kid discover things for the first time like even though he's done this before none of it looks polished he doesn't look like he should be playing that position and they just have no potency whatsoever none yeah and 
I'd rather have the San Francisco 49ers make the playoffs because I want more teams in there that can do things. If the Saints make it in, the first round they're playing either at the Bucks or at the Rams as of right now, possibly at the Cardinals. Um, oh, no, no, it can't be at the Cardinals. Maybe the 49ers got in. So either at the Bucks or at the Rams. And then in the second round, if they manage to win that, they're going to Lambeau to get destroyed. So I'm just not interested in this team making it at all i really want the 49ers to get in instead me too next game here we've got the vikings 10 at the packers 37 uh this was a must win game for the minnesota vikings and they did not have kirk cousins because he is unvaccinated correct and we called this in the offseason that they're gonna have a game where they had to win and kirk cousins isn't gonna be there because he's choosing not to be there and so to me kirk cousins is less of a team player and he is a worse teammate than antonio brown I asked Mike, I was like, aren't you so glad that Kirk Cousins shored up home field advantage for the Packers in the playoffs? And he just laughed and rolled his eyes because there was like the Packers were never going to lose this game ever. So if you think you could be Zeke this week, you could for sure be Delvin. He had nine carries for 13 yards. Ooh, that'd be close. Are we going to do this (laughs) thing where it's like uh, the Jets beat the Jets beat the Titans titans lost to the patriots so therefore the patriots are better than all the teams or whatever it is like you know one of those things like if i can get more yards than dalvin cook just put me in the hall of fame yeah the the transitive property yeah. i like that by the way for the 2007 college football season appalachian state won the overall national championship too that's correct yeah uh because they beat michigan michigan beat florida florida beat lsu lsu won the championship there you go i like it go back yeah. revisionist history that's what we should do if there's ever any seasons where teams have to vacate wins and losses they should just do transitive property to figure out who the most ridiculous national champion would be i like where you're going with that it's always kansas no no it's not they always lose the big game except that one time <laughs> uh the next uh, uh not the next game but the next thing i have on this game here uh Devontae Adams, 11 catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. He is, I said this before, I think he actually is unguardable. I don't think he can be covered. And where is he going to play next year? That's the real question. I think that he's a favorite to play in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Really? Uh-huh. Right. I think I think it's I think it's the most likely. I will not be shocked if they leave. I especially and this take is this take is locked to right this moment. Yeah. When they lose in the NFC title game to the Cowboys because they kicked four field goals and they should have gone for it again or something like that, that could completely blow it up. But as of right now, I think they're both favorites to reach her. We'll see. Uh, by the way, we don't need to get into this too much, but I did agree with Aaron Rodgers' assessment of the writer who said he wasn't going to vote for him for MVP. Like I said, I've made my decision well before the season. And I feel like you cannot like somebody personally, but you're not voting for them. And so I, I just was like, why are you even talking about that? Like if you're an MVP voter, just don't vote for the guy. Yeah, I mean, another thing, too, is that you don't even make your decision before the season. You just say he's unvaccinated. He missed the game for being unvaccinated. You're not valuable. You're out. Like, And you don't even need know. to say it. Like, just vote. Like, there's, yeah. You know, just vote. Yeah. And I didn't have an issue with Aaron Rodgers taking issue with the guy and, and, and saying something because it was really dumb on the reporter's part to even talk about it publicly and just just vote. Don't vote for somebody else. There's plenty of people. To, vote for Brady. There's plenty of people to vote for. Right. Anyway, yeah, moving a- a- right absolutely. along. Uh, I, I would vote for Brady if I if I Me had too. a vote. So. As, as Arthur um, mentioned, we, we already jerked him off earlier. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, if Joe Burrow had two more games like he's had so far and they were like uh, fighting for the number one seed for real, 
he he'd, he'd get a much he'd get a much better look. Yes. Uh, now the Packers have locked up the number one seed, which means that they are not playing their players. They're not playing them very much against the Lions this week, which right. means the Lions are going to get Jordan Love and no Devontae Adams, no Aaron Jones, probably no AJ Dillon, and I need the Lions to lose. So I'm not very happy about this. So Kirk Cousins <laughs> also screwed the Lions. This is going to be the Jordan Love breakout game. I hope so. To get it, it'll be the Matt Flynn effect. He'll have a great game. The Packers will feel confident that if Aaron Rodgers moves on, that they have the quarterback of the future, and then we'll never see Jordan Love again because we never saw Matt Flynn again either. Yes, that is the. Of course, that's because they drafted Russell Wilson the same year. I know, but up. they drafted him as like a number of, as a four fourth round pick or something like that, and he outplayed everybody on the roster. That was a complete surprise at the time. Yeah. Now, did you see Mike Zimmer's press conference after the game and asked about seeing Kellen Mond to play? No. So, uh, this is it's much funnier the way that he said it. But so Sean Mannion plays in this game. He's terrible. They have Kellen Mond. They drafted in the fifth round this year. He played for like three snaps in this game. Mm-hmm. And after the game, they were like, you know, season's over. You're out of the playoffs, coach. Are you interested in seeing what Kellen Kellen Mond has to offer next week? And Zimmer just says. Not particularly. Wow. Yeah. Because cold blooded. And the guy, so follow up, he goes, Well, coach, why not? And Zimmer goes, I see my practice every day. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. See you later, Mike Zimmer. Have a good time. Yeah. Um, Kellamon, not really in a position to rip off his jersey and run off the field, jumping up and waving to the crowd. But I feel like, you know, I, I, I'd be pretty mad if I were Kellamon and my coach is talking about me that way. But what's the incentive? Like, what is the positive gain out of doing that? Like, Mike Zimmer is a moron for doing that because, like, yes, whatever. Mike Zimmer should get fired. Fuck him. Let's move on. Well, my guess is that he knows he's getting fired. He's having an emotional reaction. And, you know, like a lot of these uh, uh, white men specifically, he doesn't know how to process uh, emotion. And so it comes out as anger and he's just yelling. He's lashing out because he doesn't know how to deal with, you know, these complex big emotions he's feeling about failure and grief and, you know, how he's being viewed, hits his reputation. And so he's just lashing out in anger at anybody he feels is beneath him. You know, I'm sure Mike Zimmer voted for Trump. Anyways. See, this is why Bill Belichick gets a, he gets a rap for not answering questions, but Maybe that's the right way to do it. Just don't fucking say anything. Or just say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to we'll think about it. You know, we're going to go back, look at the film and see what's best to do for the team this coming week. Yep. That's it. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. Final game here. Browns 14 at the Steelers 26. Man. So first thing in this game is that I can, this was Ben Roethlisberger's last home game in Pittsburgh. I cannot wait for him to be gone to never have to talk about this guy. Yeah. He's a football player ever again honestly i hate ben roethlisberger so much and he is the one player i've been rooting for to suffer a grievous horrendous injury pretty much like the last 10 years this game made me throw up in my mouth a little bit um it just was it was bad now i was forced to watch this i I should i should tell you so we lost power monday because of the snow so we didn't stay here we stayed at my in-laws and i was forced to watch the manning cast for the first time oh it was bad it was really bad. And I was like, and my, my father-in-law was laughing a lot. And I was like, all right, like he enjoys it and that's great. And I'm watching it and I'm like, this is just not for me. And I'm having an existential crisis uh, because I I thought that I would enjoy something like this because of the color of my skin. However, that is not true. And so I need to go back to the drawing board a little bit and find out where my roots are, do a DNA test and figure that out because there has to be something that precludes me from enjoying that particular product but it, it maybe it was the combination of the game sucking i don't know it was just all really bad but baker so man 
Baker looked really bad, but he's having surgery finally, and I'm rooting for him to fix himself and be healthy so that we can get a true assessment of him. I, I don't feel like it's a true assessment this season. I know a lot of people want to see him gone. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure what the Browns are going to do, but I don't know if if he's, I don't know. I saw somebody say Joe Burrow is what the Browns thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be. Well, that's pretty bad scouting by the Browns then. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I agree, but. If, if they wanted that, they should have taken Sam Darnold's. Uh, it didn't work out, but that's that's who they should have taken. Uh, my note for here is that the Browns quarterback situation is as bad as it could possibly be. Yeah. They are in an absolute no man's land here. They've got no clarity. Mm-hmm. They No matter what decision they make, people will be able to clown them for it. Yeah. it, it they're, they're in a really, really bad spot with the quarterbacks here, and they should really think outside the box yes. to try to make a big swing to bring in somebody. Personally, I think that they should be the team in the driver's seat for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I think Deshaun's going to be back in the league next season. Personally, Steelers are in a bad place with quarterback too because uh, they're losing Ben, and then that's that's it. Like they don't. Yeah, but they don't have to make a decision about what to do or who to pay or what. No, like they don't. letting Baker go might not be the right thing. Letting I know. Ben retire is the right thing. No, I agree with that. I I think the Browns I, mm, they, they could pick up his fifth year, right? That would be the if they can't or they can. They could, but he he should refuse to play unless they extend him. I mean, that, that'd be insane on his part to play. It would. But then again, also, he has, like, no leverage to do that the way that the season played out this season. It's a, it wow. He has leverage because he could start for so many teams already. So he could sit out a year and then go get a longer-term contract for more or the same money. He, like, he, he, he has leverage here. This is why they're in the tough spot. He has leverage he wouldn't play that great, but he has the leverage anyways. This is an awful spot for the Browns. However, you said this game made you throw up in your mouth a little bit. Not as much as it did for the player who was winning the DraftKings Millionaire Contest for the showdown slate, the single game slate. Mm-hmm. He's winning a million dollars. It's a $15 entry. He's oh, wow. winning $1 million. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris breaks through the line to seal the game, and he needs to go down to the ground so they can run out the clock. He doesn't do that. He runs in the end zone and scores a touchdown. That play, the player who was winning a million dollars ended up winning $750. Wow. Not $750,000, $750. He lost basically a million dollars because Najee Harris scored a touchdown when he should have just fallen down. It was the touchdown that did it. He could have gone down at the one yard line. This dude still would have hung out for a million. It was. Scoring the touchdown cost this dude $1 million. I don't know what I would do. And yet on the flip side of that, him scoring the touchdown incorrectly uh, gave me the comeback victory. I'm now in the fantasy championship. What do you mean now in? This week was the championship. No, it wasn't. Not in the league. That, I, that other league that I'm in. We're done. I, I got obliterated in the uh, the league that I beat Mrs. Ice in. So I, I got toasted. But in the other league, that's like feels like a 16-team league or something like that. There's three playoff rounds. Yeah, but they put the weeks 15, 16, and 17. Like, so many starters aren't playing this week. How in the world do you have a championship in the last week? Players aren't playing. I know, but here we are. I'm in the championship, and there's one more week to go. That's how they structured the league. I have literally no say in this matter. But I woke up again to another comeback victory. Najee Harris scoring that touchdown got me the victory. I think I won by two. Well, yeah, you 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 needed it then. You You sure did. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that guy feels a lot better about his million dollars now that you came back and won your league in this terribly game, this terribly structured league that you should definitely quit if they don't change it next year. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
so yeah, so that was it for uh, for all the games. You know, coming up this week, we have a lot of uh, in important games, playoff scenarios, stuff like that. I didn't know if you wanted to go over the playoff scenarios or what you wanted to do here. Um, we can go over, I guess, where we kind of went over where teams are at this point. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios that could happen. Uh, to me, I feel like the, the most intriguing one, I think the most intriguing thing for me is not the teams that could sneak in. It's the fact that in the AFC, there's four or five teams that are in play for the number one seed with one game to go. Like that's it, technically speaking, that's kind of crazy. That shows you how ridiculous the AFC has been this year. If the Bills lose to the Jets, they could finish as the seventh seed. I know. And oh man, <laughs> like they're so like, oh, from a personal perspective, there's so much to root for for the Jets to beat the Bills. First of all, there's Cleve taking a victory lap on Josh Allen, and you know he will. And then there's, there's. I mean, first of all, do you remember this past weekend? Cleve said that Josh Allen was worth the money, and Josh Allen immediately threw three interceptions right yes. afterward. So it was like, wow, dude, like, come on. So he seems to have something with Josh Allen because every time he says something about him, the opposite happens. So I need Cleve to... Uh, say how great Josh Allen is headed into this game, but there'd be that. The Patriots obviously would have an advantage now to get the number one. Like, there's so many things that could work out for the show. For me personally, that could happen. Um, I think this tie thing is interesting. We went over that. I'm rooting for that 100%. Like, totally oh, yeah. rooting for that 100%. Yeah. I'm rooting for the Saints to not be in the playoffs because I've now changed my tune. They're more offensive than the Raiders. They're more offensive than the Colts. They're more offensive than the Titans. They're just offensive all across the board. I don't like the Saints anymore. They're my new team to hate. So they're going to make it. And of course, they'll be like the Bears making it last year. Remember that bullshit? Eight and eight with Mitch and uh, yep. Matt Nagy. Because uh, he corrects people on how he, how he should say his name. And it's Nagy going to work here anymore, as the uh, <laughs> space joke would say. So um, the I don't know. I feel like this week, I just want to enjoy whatever happens this week. But I want to ask you a question about this. Does the NFL, we talked about the the tie scenario, do they have an obligation to make sure that all the teams that are vying for these spots are playing at the same time so that no team has an advantage to know what has happened already? I know that they have all the TV contracts and time slots to worry about, and I get that, but from a competitive standpoint, don't you think that that's the right thing to do so that everybody's kind of playing and playing their hardest and they don't have to worry about it? Uh, no, because the situation, like in the World Cup, they make the final rounds, the games all play against each other in the group stage, so to avoid that. But here, there's so many games to choose from, and there's so many different time slots. They could just look at it, and they could just schedule the games to make sure it doesn't happen. Again, yeah. Cowboys-Eagles, where the teams could probably both just be resting their starters, is the only game Saturday night. The Colts-Jags is the outcome that determines what the Raiders and Chargers need to do. So just make sure the Raiders and Chargers play before the Colts and the Jags. Put Raiders Chargers Saturday night. They have to play because they don't know. And then they go, they play out, and then you have the Jags and the Colts playing to see who uh who gets in. I mean, they could have easily planned for this. They just didn't think about it. I think they're thinking about getting like TV viewership numbers by putting the Cowboys in primetime ahead of making sure they structure this correctly. And I don't think they'll make this mistake again next year. Yeah. I think they'll look at the scenarios and make sure that they do it uh that they do it right agreed by the way my positive story for the week did you see the uh jets cornerback i think who asked tom brady to sign the football that he intercepted of tom brady and it was and tom said something like i didn't i mean that's the first time i've ever signed an interception ball because i don't generally like to sign things that are bad but i thought that was kind of neat for 
I think as a rookie or a really oh. young guy to be like, my God, I intercepted Tom Brady. Like, can you sign this ball, Mr. Brady? I, I, I found that to be kind of funny. And I'm glad that Tom was good hearted enough to put aside the, I mean, I don't think he would have done it had they lost. Right. But just to be able to do it and say, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I mean, think about where he is now where he's swapping jerseys with people. People are asking him to sign. I mean, he's like the, remember the dream team where they were basically getting asked for autographs, like during the game from the yes. people that they were playing. They were that large of a celebrity. Like Tom Brady has almost reached that level in the NFL where he's like a walking legend in a way that people are asking him for autographs like during the game, like, you know, like during the season. Well, he's going to have to be because he's going to the playoffs with uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Cyril Grayson as his leading weapons. So, And yet, I bet you they're in the NFC Championship game. That's the crazy part. Bucks eagles Championship game. That's what we're going to see. I think you called that. You said some weird team's going to make it to the NFC Championship. Yep. We're going to say the Eagles are playing the Bucks, and it could happen. It, it, it could happen. It, it really could. I don't think the Eagles are going to win their first-round game, but you know what? I, I wouldn't be shocked. Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is for real. I, I think that uh, he's a real good quarterback, and I could see them uh, sneaking out somewhat. Speaking of Jalen, did you love that letter that – he wrote to the Washington football team uh, about the situation with the railing. And I was like, this could not have been more written by a lawyer and uh, to whom it may concern. I was like, what? No, it should be Dan Snyder. Get your team in, like get your stadium in, in, in any sort of, it was just weird. Whole, that whole thing was very, very strange. Well, don't, don't worry, Matt. They fixed it by putting the zip ties around the railings. I so heard. It's never going to happen again. You know why? Because they're looking to get public funding for a stadium, which it ain't gonna fucking happen. Uh, not in Maryland. Yeah. And no. Not in Virginia. Nope. So where are they gonna not go? DC. Yeah, I don't know. Delaware? I, yeah, the Delaware Admirals. That'll be good. Well, actually, <laughs> they'll be the Washington Admirals. Uh, it'll be like the, the Angels in baseball. They'll be like the Washington Admirals of Delaware. And uh, that's, what that's where they'll play from. And the, it'll be DuPont Stadium. It'll just be a whole bunch of stuff. So, Oh, no. You know where they'd go? No. Charlestown, West Virginia. Oh, man. Talk about yeah. Man, that'd be like the, uh, oh, man. <laughs> the, I mean, that's, that's easier to get to from D.C. than like Santa Clara from San Francisco, right? Yes. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes. Actually, Santa Clara is a pain in the ass to get to. So... Anyway, um, good stuff this week. The Antonio Brown stuff couldn't really write itself. And again, we'll figure out what the truth is at some point. Uh, I'll be interested to see how this falls out, to be honest yeah. with you. And I will Same. also be interested if at some point Antonio Brown is considered to be back on the team. Because I think you're right about Tom. Like Tom very well, if he hasn't already, could go to could go to management and uh it, Tom, Tom will get what he wants because he wants yes. to, he wants to win a Super Bowl. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. But we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to to Week 18, and you know we're we're at the end. I can't believe we're at the end. And then we got the playoffs to worry about. And um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. So we only got a few more weeks left to go, but it's going to be quite a ride. Hopefully, we get Cleve back next week after the Jets beat the Bills and the Patriots are the number one seed and all is right in the nfl so by the way big shout out to your dad he has become the new super fan of all of our stuff uh he checked out cleave came back with the manual and your dad was all over it so big thanks to your dad for that uh well, and uh, 
Appreciate mm-hmm. that. He was actually supposed to go to the uh, Wings Ducks game in Anaheim last night, and the game got canceled the last second. Really? Due to a uh, due due to COVID. Yeah. Wow. I thought maybe because Anaheim hasn't fielded a good hockey team forever. So uh, since th- since they won a Stanley Cup, what like twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, it was like oh nine. Sean Sebastian Jaguar. Oh man, was that the team with Solani? That was his last year, one of his last years, wasn't it? It was a long yes. time ago. Really yep. long. That's pulling names out of a hat here. Anyway, I thank you everybody for listening this week. You can check us out on Instagram, Political Football Podcast, Twitter at Maddie S Media. You can check out the website as well. Um, we are hoping to come to the video uh, circuits pretty soon here, and uh, we're setting some things up to evolve a little bit because what I hear out there is that everybody likes to see faces; they don't like to hear voices. So. We'll be experimenting with that. We got a lot of fun stuff. Super Bowl's coming up. There may be a maybe a live stream to be had there. And um, we'll get it, Dave. So I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Have a good weekend. All right, man. See ya. Bye. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on political football are those of Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Political Football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.